Welcome to Broadcast Dialogue, the podcast. I'm Connie Thiessen. The Canadian Association of Broadcasters has appointed its first president since 2009 when the organization representing the interests of Canada's private radio and television broadcasters made a move to downsize. For Kevin Desjardins, it's a homecoming of sorts. He previously worked in communications with the CAB in the mid-2000s. Now on the job since mid-November, we welcome him to the podcast to talk about returning to the sector amid revenue challenges compounded by the pandemic and what he says is a need for meaningful structural solutions. I'm Kevin Desjardins, the president of the Canadian Association of Broadcasters. Coming back to the CAB after about 13 years away, I uh, worked there from 2005 until 2007 as a director of communications, really sort of with my hands in all sorts of work from the member relations to the events to uh, the obvious communications files and certainly getting the chance to dip my toe into uh, the advocacy. From there, I moved on to the Tourism Industry Association of Canada. Uh, worked there for about six years. Was a, a you know, it was definitely a, a, a different experience from the CAB, but uh, it had some similarities. You know, large players and small players, and sort of a, a mix uh, of the two. Got to work there under two different CEOs. Uh, the second of which was David Goldstein, who. I think would be known to a number of people in the broadcasting uh, space. From there, spent about seven and a half years, just over seven and a half years at the uh, Canadian Dental Association and uh, was a very different uh, experience for me uh, working in the healthcare field. With each of these steps that I took, I increasingly was doing less communications and more government relations through the, that time. And, and that was really almost exclusively my focus while I was at the Canadian Dental Association. So Kevin, you're the first president that the association has had since 2009 when Glenn O'Farrell resigned and the organization decided to make a move to downsize. I want to talk about the timing of this appointment. What's changed since then? Well, I mean, I think the world has changed really quite broadly and, and the world for, for broadcasters has changed significantly. Um, you know, at the at the time that I left, or or certainly at the time that Glenn left, I mean, we were probably talking more in terms of the impact of things like iTunes, maybe even you know talking about the the downloading sites as uh, as the competitors to broadcasters. And you know, in, in the interim, the the idea of broadcasting being done over the internet has really evolved to a point where it's incredibly common. It's, it's, uh, it's penetrated very much into, I think, just about every household in the, in the country. And by and large, those competitors that uh, came in are coming in as completely unregulated competitors. So the, the whole world has changed, but certainly the competitive landscape uh, has changed in a way that maybe people could have foreseen. But the impact, I think, of that structural change to the to the industry, I, I think, has been incredibly profound. 
We should note that your timing has also coincided with the retirement of Sylvie Bissonnette, who's been filling the role of uh, Vice President Finance and Administration, as well as CFO. The organization has been running very lean, but the plan is to ramp back up. What, what might that look like? Yeah, I mean, I think that at least initially, we're still going to be a, a fairly uh, Spartan organization. We're certainly not going to be up to the 40 or 45 uh, headcount that uh, there would have been at the CAB when I was there back in the mid 2000s. But you know, I, I think that we can see an opportunity to bring some expertise in-house, to have some people who are working uh, on behalf of the CAB full-time. And, you know, we've been really well supported, I think, by some external consultants and the work of the on, on copyright files has been managed very well by Wolf Lawyers, who were uh, former colleagues of mine back when I worked at the, the CAB back then. And they've continued uh, sort of on their own, but very close relationship with the CAB. So, so you know, I mean, it, I, I think that uh, as I say, I, I don't have uh, grand aspirations to, to build out a huge headcount, but I do think that we're going to need to bring in uh, some folks just to deal with, you know, our, our communications, our member relations, and uh, certainly uh, some someone to, to help with the policy files that, uh, that you know, are, are the constant here. Let's talk about CAB priorities of the moment. Obviously, we've heard a lot about emergency relief funding. What has the association learned through its own administration of government relief to stations up to this point? I think that that was a, an important uh, program and, and certainly something, uh, an ability for, for us to, to help, uh, I think, frankly, just assess uh, the need that was out there amongst those independent broadcasters. I think that Part of what COVID brought was, you know, I just talked about the structural change in the industry. You know, what COVID is going to bring is an added layer of structural change, not just to broadcasting, but I think to the economy by and large, you know, along the lines of the fact that you're going to have people who are uh, not commuting in the same way that they used to. And that commute, I think, was a, was a key piece for, for a lot of broadcasters or certainly on the radio side. And beyond that, uh, I, I personally don't even think that we've uh, seen, we haven't seen the worst of the economic impact of what's going to happen with as a result of COVID-19. I think that that's going to, you know, really start to resonate in the, in maybe the next six months or, and probably beyond that into 24 months, but that's certainly going to have an impact on the ability of businesses to advertise and, and of uh, our members to be able to capture that. So, and, and again, that's not, I, that's not something that's cyclical. I think that that's going to be uh, something that is a, a real change in, in the way that, that the industry and the, the broader economy uh, operates. Well, in late August, when the CAB issued that report that suggested thousands of job losses in local radio and television over the next three years, without some kind of meaningful structural change to the media ecosystem, obviously the second wave of this pandemic is compounding revenue declines. But there was some recovery in the last quarter. What's your sense of where things stand right now? You know, I mean, as I said, I, I think that there there was uh, some recovery that we've seen. But having said that, I, I don't think that 
we necessarily know exactly where this is going to go. It just in terms of the broader economic impacts. And, and I think that that's something for us to be very mindful of and, and, and somewhat wary. You know, I, I think that there is going to be some substantial impact once we get to the other side of the holidays. And uh, I think that there are going to be a lot of retailers and small businesses and, and what have you that get to the other side of the holidays and, and realize whether or not if they um, have had uh, enough to be able to to get them through or or whether or not if they close and, and so you know and and i think that broadcasters depend on those advertisers who are oftentimes you know the uh, the small businesses or the businesses in their communities. There's large advertisers, of course, as well. But I, I think that there's a lot of fallout yet to come. You know, it's not that the economy is going to shut down completely, but I think that uh, advertising ends up being somewhat of a discretionary spend, uh, either for the small businesses or large businesses. And, and that's something, you know, when we see uh, the declines that uh, were outlined in the in the report that came out in August. Um, I, I don't think that there's anything that would point to us that would say that there is uh, any bounce back that's coming anytime soon. Are you optimistic for more relief for broadcasters? You know, I, I think it's something that we need to continue this dialogue with the government on this. There has been uh, some support that uh, has has come out. I think that structural uh, challenges uh, require uh, structural solutions. And, you know, so the, the fund, I think, has been really critical to help prop uh, a lot of uh, independent broadcasters up. Uh, but I think in the long term, we need to start looking at uh, solutions that acknowledge the new realities and uh, whether if that be in terms of the, the state of the advertising for broadcasters or if that is the competition uh, that's out there. I, I think that what has to come next has to be something that is not a, a short term solution, but something that in the long term can help. Uh, can help broadcasters uh, thrive or, or succeed. Are there any other initiatives on the table that you want to talk about? Do you want to touch on Bill C-10? Yeah, I mean, it, it's still it's still something that I think Bill C-10 is something that we're looking at. Uh, there's certainly uh, a lot there. It's uh, attempting, I think, to uh, create some equity in between the players who have been to this point uh, unregulated and, and those who have been. We are happy to see that there is something along these lines. It's certainly something that was overdue. You know, I think that we're probably going to have some ideal amendments to it uh, that we'll want to, to, to put forward. And, and we're still kind of working through those at the moment. But, you know, I, I think ultimately we just want to make sure that this legislation helps to to guide the the sector in in a way that acknowledges the the structural change and and that is uh, ready to to help uh, support uh, broadcasters. You know, I I think that it's important to look at the streamers and to to find a way for them to help potentially share uh, some of the load. But I I also think though that we need to. Uh, center broadcasters back into the discussion around the, the Broadcasting Act. You're obviously well aware of the challenges facing the industry. Tell me about what it's like to assume the mantle of this organization amidst 
all of that. Yeah, you know, and, and I think that one of the things for me, uh, it's funny because I spent a few weeks kind of uh, back into these issues. And, and I think the thing that I came away from my first full week on the job with was just how much I had forgotten that I, I really loved this industry. And, you know, I think from back in my youth, when my, my auntie Adrian used to work at uh, CIHI in Fredericton, and, you know, I got to tour the, the radio station, uh, I've always had a, a fascination and an interest in, in broadcasting, but just talking to some of the members, uh, talking to the folks who are doing uh, policy work and whatnot, it just really getting that appreciation for what a, a an interesting and vibrant and dynamic uh, industry it is. Uh, it's one that I think can compete with the global players if the if the the circumstances are set up correctly. And it's one that really has a deep connections with the communities that they're in. Um, and I think that's one of the things that, you know, we really need to see reflected is that that importance of the programming that is done by broadcasters in their communities, the, the local news and information and lifestyle programming that I think reflects the communities back to themselves. In this past year of crisis, you've had people turning to the TV and to the radio to get their information on, you know, what is the latest news or what is the latest communication from health authorities or what have you uh, about the state of COVID and and uh, what it is that they're supposed to do. So, you know, I, I think making sure that we understand and reflect the importance of, of news programming uh, that is already done and generated by these broadcasters is is a, is a real key point, because I, I think that, that they are part of the connective tissue of their communities. Is there a note you want to close on, Kevin? I think the main thing for me is just to, to reiterate how happy I am to be back working uh, with broadcasters. And, and you know, I... I I think that this is a sector that has an incredible potential uh, and has an incredible history uh, to build on. And as I said, I, I think uh, even dealing with a whole bunch of critical files and, and tight timelines in, the, in my first days back on the job, I, I think I've walked home with a smile on my face. Uh, just about uh, just about every day since. So I'm really looking forward to this and, and happy to hear from any of the broadcasters on, on the challenges that they're facing and, and the solutions that they can propose. Thank you so much for joining us. I look forward to many more conversations. Thank you so much, Connie. It was, uh, it was a great conversation for me. listening to Broadcast Dialogue. For more information about the podcast or to receive exclusive access to our weekly briefing about the Canadian media industry, visit us at broadcastdialogue.com. Don't forget to like us on Facebook, connect with us on LinkedIn and follow us on Twitter and SoundCloud. I'm Matt Kundle, host of the Sound Off Podcast the show about podcast and broadcast. Since 2016, we've been speaking with amazing people who have populated your ears for decades. Legendary broadcasters, research wizards, talent experts, podcasters, voice talent, almost 400 stories, all for free. 
Subscribe or follow the Sound Off Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, or at soundoffpodcast.com.